Welcome to Every Moment His, a podcast dedicated to contemplating how God's preached Word impacts every moment of our lives. This sermon was preached at Holy Cross in Kearney, Nebraska by Pastor Tim Barone. Well, grace and peace to each of you in the name of Jesus Christ the Lord. Amen. Uh, Let's open up to uh, Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 12, it's 942 in the Pew Bible. And we're kind of uh, getting into these really beautiful descriptions of the gospel. Uh, As Pastor John mentioned, you know, going through Romans, you kind of go through a deep valley first, and then you get up to the the heights of hearing about the gospel, and we're still kind of at that top place where we're looking over uh, everything in our futures and thinking about how this affects every part of our lives. Uh, Today we're going to look at, in particular, a comparison Uh, A comparison between Adam and Jesus, Adam and Christ, and see this uh, both what how they compare and also more importantly how they contrast. So, beginning in verse twelve, as you as I read this for you, I want to encourage you to underline any time you see the words "much more." So you should have three places, and I'll point out the last one for you. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more, underline that, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more, underline that, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, So one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Underline that. So that as sin reigned in death, Grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. This is God's holy word. A number of years ago now, in 2017, there was a total eclipse of the sun, and it happened to go right through Nebraska. I was in Canada at the time, so I could just look 
you know, look from afar to see what was happening. But a lot of Nebraskans were really excited about this. And they went and they, they viewed this. Did anyone, any of you get to see the total eclipse in 2017? Okay. It's kind of a big deal. And as you look at that eclipse, uh, as you're in that experience, right, the moon comes right in front of the sun, and for a split second, everything's dark. And it looks like, if you were just, just from the naked eye, from your perspective, from your vantage point, it looks like the moon is about the same size as the sun for just a second, doesn't it? And so if you didn't know any better, you'd say, yeah, that moon's got to be about the same size because it's just blocking out all the light. Well, we know that's not the case. Uh, in fact, the sun is, is much larger, much more massive than the moon, right? But from our perspective, it didn't look like that way for a second. In fact, if you took our moon that goes around the, the earth and you started putting objects the size of our moon into the sun, you could keep doing that until you reached 64 million moons. You could just keep throwing them into the, the volume of the sun. And so the sun is massively larger than the moon. It's, there's almost no comparison, right? We don't even understand the words 64 million. We can't think of that number. But the sun is incomparably brighter, more massive, more important than the moon. And as soon as the moon went just a fraction of uh, an inch away from that center, away from that, all of a sudden everyone was overwhelmed by the brightness of that sun once again. Well, this image might help us grasp uh, what St. Paul is talking about here. Um, so often we have in, in our minds that there's this cosmic struggle, right, between good and evil, uh, between what is right and what is wrong, between God and the devil, uh, between the sin of humanity and the grace of God. And, and we might be tempted to think from our vantage point, from our perspective, that it's an equal fight, right? That they're about the same. And that one's about the same as the other and, and no one can really call it in the end. The truth is, that God's grace and God's mercy and what he has done in Christ is vastly bigger, vastly more important than the sin, than the death, than the destruction that we now feel from our perspective. Even though from our perspective it seems really real and it seems really important and it seems really massive, if we were able to see the truth, we would see that God's grace is so much bigger that the life that God has brought in Christ Jesus in every way outdoes any evil that we can throw at Jesus. That the reign of our sin and death in this world is nothing compared to the reign of righteousness in Christ Jesus. And that's the point of, of this text. Is to show that Adam and Jesus are related, but in the end, there's really not much of a comparison that Christ is so much greater, that the grace that God brings is so much more massive than the sin that caused him to come. And so let's read, to, read this together again. I'm going to point out a few things as we go, and then we'll consider it a little bit more. 
verse 15, uh, let's look together in verse 15. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. I want you to notice in this verse, how many times does Paul need to say the word grace? Right? It's the grace of God that has abounded by the free grace of God, <laughs> by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounding for many. It's over-redundant, right? He's saying it again and again so you catch how gracious this is. And then in verse 16, And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For judgment following one man's trespass brought condemnation. If you remember back to Romans chapter 1, the just decree against our sin is what? It's death. Right? That's what he's talking about. There was a condemnation following one man's sin. Sin had spread to all people. But the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For judgment following one man's trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. Now we should think about that for just a second. Uh, when we see... Uh, Adam sinning, we kind of read through a bit of that narrative this morning. Adam sinned, and his sin spread to all people, right? It spread into the world. It spread through genetics, we could say, through relation to Adam. But also, we fell into the pattern of sin. And there's massive amounts of sin since Adam, right? And if you just count up how many billions, tens of billions of people who have lived in this world all kind of stemming from Adam's one sin, and it just kept going and going and going, and it kept spreading and spreading and spreading until everyone who lived had sin in their life and sin in the world, and it was, it was everywhere. And what Paul is saying is one man's sin did that, right? It spread. We have this original sin that we're cursed with as we come into this world. Our natures have become weakened, and that has caused us to want to sin, and so not only do we have the nature that falls easily into the sin, but we also have the desire to sin. And so this is why in our baptism liturgies, we, have, we say, you know, God forgive this child or this person of the sin inherited from Adam and also the sins that they have done since. Right? This sin continued to infect, continued to spread, but it, it happened gradually until there's tens of billions of people who are filled with sin and what, he, what Paul is saying is one man's gift, right? One man's work undid all of those sins. One man's righteousness undid every, every single one of those sins that spread. It, it wasn't the same way, right? It's not like Jesus' grace spread and spread and spread, but Jesus' grace, his death on the cross, undid 100% of all of those trespasses, those tens of billions of people, all their sin-sick hearts, Jesus undid all of those things. And so when we think about that, we, think, well, we can think this. Well, what Adam has done was terrible. Right? He brought sin and death upon all of creation. And that maybe has become very real to you in your life as you've seen a loved one die. Right? You've experienced the tragedy of death. You've experienced uh, the dark night of the soul 
uh, wrestling against your sin. And we can say, At, what Adam did ruined so many things, right? And he caused so much pain. He caused so much conflict internally, externally. Like he really brought down all of this thing, all of these terrible conditions upon us. But what Christ has done for us is like the sun coming out from behind the moon. Right? Jesus, by his actions, undid all of those sins and brought life and the reigning of life back to us by one action. How mighty must that action have been? Death is swallowed up by the death that Christ died. Right? The de death of tens of billions of people Jesus overturned that consequence when he went to the cross. Uh, the condemnation rightfully falling on sinners. Jesus absorbed all of that condemnation. Tens of billions of people worth of condemnation. And God says, that's righteous. It's enough. It's, it's good. It's a pleasing, atoning sacrifice for sins. And it is enough. All of our sins have been wiped out. Death has been put on notice, all because of what Jesus has done. We see this, uh, I love, in the gospel lesson. We have a good picture of this. Jesus comes into town, a humble, he's riding on a donkey. He is the king of kings. He's the creator of the universe, but he's seated on a donkey in humility. He doesn't look that special. We're not even that impressed with hearing about his coming into Jerusalem. We're like, yeah, yeah. But Jesus comes in and his disciples start to praise him, start to call him who he really is. And the, and the Pharisees say, Jesus, rebuke your disciples. Make them stop. And I love Jesus' response. He's like, if they were quiet, at least the rocks would be singing. Because at least they know what's going on. Because it's hard for us to grasp just how mighty of an action this is from God's hand. Right? As, as Jesus comes into the center of our world, into the center of existence, into the center of your sin, even the rocks should praise him for what he's about to do, for what he's about to overturn, for what he's about to fix in this world. He's going to fix sin and death. He's going to be the equal force to all of the evil that this world could throw at God and his creation. He is the one to overturn all these things. And so as he comes into this world, yeah, the rocks should praise him. We should praise him. And if we grasp how great this glorious grace is that is coming in the person of Jesus to the cross, how could we stay silent? Uh, when Jesus came, when Jesus came into the cross, when he was crucified for our sins, uh, one of the things that he said from the cross is, it is finished. It is finished. And if we hear that, it's like, what is he saying? What is finished? Jesus is saying all of the disobedience from Adam to you. Right, all, of, all of the sin from Adam through Moses and the people of Israel, uh, all the way from Abraham on, all of that sin 
has been atoned for by his work, by his mighty deeds. Jesus overdid all of that, and when he died on the cross, it was finished, it was enough, it was done. And so if we see how great this glorious work of Jesus is, uh, it does a few things for us. I want you to think about this. Uh, Occasionally in my ministry, uh, there's been some people who have come to me and said something like, you know, Pastor, if, if people only knew uh, how dark this was, if, if I don't know if I'm even worthy to be in the house of God, or people will say something like this, I would go to church, but if, as soon as I came in the doors, I would burst into flames. Right? Has anyone said that? Because the, the hunch, the idea, the intuition is that I'm just a bridge too far for God, right? Or because we're not sure if God has enough grace for us, we're hesitant. We're like, God, you know what? You're a busy guy. Um, But can I just have a little bit of mercy, please? Can I just have a little bit of grace? Just a little bit? I mean, I messed up real bad, um, and I don't want to bother you, but man, my heart is just torn up, and can I just have a little bit of mercy from you? And it's amazing that if we were to say something like that to God, if we were to say, God, I'm a sinner, have mercy on me, we might think God's going to say, okay, how much sin? Okay, here's a little, bit of sin, a little bit of grace for you, a little bit of mercy for you. But we don't understand how gracious the action of Jesus is and how massive it is. It's like when we say to God, hey, can, can I have just a little cup, just a little cup of grace from your hands? And God just opens up a fire hydrant for us. And we're blown away by the mercy, by the grace that he gives to us in Jesus Christ, that Jesus' blood was sufficient for the sins of the whole world can't it also be sufficient for your guilt, for your guilty heart, for your troubled conscience? You see, when we see the massive amount of God's grace flowing to us through Jesus, it it causes us to think less of our sin, and that can only be a good thing. We think less of our sin, right? Yeah, I'm a sinner. God's grace is greater. It blows it away. It also allows us to say the really hard things about ourselves. Yeah, I absolutely messed up, right? I absolutely broke that commandment. I, I don't need to make excuses or modify how big my sin is. I could say my sin is as big as anyone who has ever lived in this world because absolutely the grace of God is millions of times greater than that. So I can be completely honest with how sinful, how broken I am because God has given me Jesus Christ with enough, enough grace, enough mercy to undo all the sins of the world, including mine. The word in Greek is superabundantly. He has superabundantly blotted out your sin in Jesus Christ. Those words, all the more. Right? Paul uses this word a lot, all the more. That what you needed was this much, and God gave you this much. Right? What you needed was a little bit of medicine, and God 
gave you everything. And it's almost hard for us to grasp. It's like if we went to uh, go to the pharmacy and we said, you know, I, I need some antibiotics. I got to get rid of this little cold I have, right? And instead of getting uh, some medicine that would take away just our cold, we get a medicine that makes us feel like we're 20 again for the rest of our lives. And all of a sudden we're looking in the mirror with huge muscles, we're all toned, perfect. Our brains have full acuity, right? Everything, it's like, I, that's not what I asked for, but I'll take it. That God meets our sin with such an overabundance of grace and mercy uh, that it's almost not worth comparing. Similarly, when uh, Jesus rose from the dead, we have a similar kind of explosion of God's mercy and grace. Right? Through Adam, one man's sin came death. Right? Came this death that we all live under. And sometimes after, when we're struggling with death, we might say something like, God, I just wanted, man, I just wanted one more decade with him. Right? Or I just wanted one more year with her. Or couldn't I have just had a few more months, a few more days, right? That we see and we ask, we expect from God um, a, a patch on our problem. Like, God, why, why wouldn't you just give me a few more months? And when Jesus rose from the dead, he rose to give us eternal life. That's what the, the scriptures say here. If you look with me down in verse uh, 18, we'll read this last section. It says, Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came to increase the trespass, but where the sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, it's worth it to underline that eternal life as well. Because we might feel like, God, I want you to give me just a few more years of life, a few more months of life, maybe another decade. And God says, what I'm here to give you is life eternal. I want to give you a life that's almost a different sense of life, a life that never runs out, a life where you're eternally healed, not just for this life, but for the life that is to come. I want to give you a body that doesn't wear out, that doesn't succumb to cancer, that doesn't succumb to dementia. This is what I'm here to give you. When Jesus rose from the dead, uh, Acts 2 says it was impossible for death to hold him anymore because death no longer has dominion over him. And so it is with us. As Christ has risen from the dead, Death has lost its grip on you, right? Yes, we die in this life, but the promise of Jesus is eternal life, and the, the risen body of Jesus is proof of his promise. Death cannot grab onto Jesus anymore. He rules over death. And death cannot grab onto you anymore. Right? You reign in life by grace through Jesus Christ. 
you will be restored fully because of what he has done. His great obedience has bought this for you. And so we who are in Christ can expect to reign eternally in life through grace. Not just to have a few more days, a few more moments, a few more months, a few more years, but to be eternally restored as Jesus is restored. And when you see that, it's almost not worth comparing, is it? One last application about this is uh, because of this, it, it causes us to suffer in a different way. If you look back with me to chapter 5, uh, verse 2, it says this, Through him we also have, been obtain- we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts. Now, that's kind of a crazy thing to say, if you ask me. Unless you actually understand and believe the glory of God that you have access to in Jesus. See, only if you understand how great that grace is are you willing to say, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to suffer here. I'll rejoice to suffer in this life because I know of the life that is to come. Uh, Later on in Romans chapter 8, if you want to flip forward to that, Romans chapter 8, verse 18, we see Paul saying some other crazy stuff. He says this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Do you see? If we grasp the magnitude of the obedience of Jesus Christ and how that one act has overturned all the evil acts before, and we understand that that truly has come to us for our hearts, for our sin, for our death, and that we have become co-heirs with Jesus Christ who will reign in life with him. All the sufferings in in this life are not worth comparing to that life that is to come in his name. It makes us say, yeah, I suffer now. I suffer for these years. I struggle. Inwardly, outwardly, and physically, spiritually, I struggle. But it's not worth comparing to the glory that is mine in Jesus Christ that is to come. Because what Jesus has done is so massively greater than all of my problems and all of the problems of this world. And the more we grasp onto that hope, uh, the more we are lifted to understand how we're to live in this world, how we are to give witness to Jesus. Um, Jesus' work coming to the cross, saving you, lifting, forgiving all the sins of this world and lifting us from death to life, it's almost not worth comparing um, to the death and the sin that brought Adam brought into this world. And as we are in Christ, we have triumphed over these things. So let's pray together. Uh, Lord God, we thank you for 
the mysterious righteousness and victory that you have revealed in Jesus. We pray, Lord, that you would give us eyes of faith and ears to hear that as we lift our voices to praise the living Son of God, the one who died in our place, that we would be able to grasp the magnitude of what he has done for us. Um, May this, Lord, transform our lives. May it help us to suffer with hope and may it give us joy as we live our lives in this world, as we wait for his return. We pray all these things in the holy name of Jesus, the Christ. Amen.